0: Welcome to Ira's Everything Bagel, where I talk with intriguing people about everything, their passions, pursuits, and points of view. You may remember or have seen in reruns the TV show Have Gun, Will Travel. Well, my guest today has a show that could be called Have Camera Will Travel. He's Chris Rainey, host of the YouTube channel Yellow Productions, which features fun, informative, and entertaining travel guides to practically anywhere in the world. And to check out any of Chris's videos, Go to YouTube and search for Yellow Productions. And in addition to YouTube, you can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris Rainey, Facebook at Yellow Productions Travel, and Instagram at Yellow Productions. And Chris, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you here today. And
0: may I see your passport?
1: Yeah, I, I got it for you.
0: Oh, good. Excellent. Just so want to make sure you're, you're all set to go and, of course, your vaccination. Right. I, and you're ready I, to I sure go. am. <laughs> I,
1: I never go anywhere without my passport.
0: How did you get started with the travel bug and then, obviously, the recording of travel bugs? So yeah. or the recording of your travels.
1: Yeah. Growing up, I was actually not somebody who traveled a whole ton. Uh, my my family is from the Czech Republic. And so I went with my mom a couple times to the Czech Republic when I was 13 and a little bit later. But it was actually when I met my wife and we started dating. She had the travel bug and we took our first trip to Japan in 2004. And I was hooked on the travel bug after that. I, you know, I'd heard all the things about Japan. It's going to be scary. They don't speak the language. And I was just amazed at what I saw there. Uh, We've been going ever since. And then to answer the second part of your question about recording our travel video. So it was actually, you know, that trip, I took a camera and I recorded some family videos. And coming back from Japan, people were less interested in our family fun in Japan, but they were more interested in. Chris, did you get a JR pass? Where did you stay? Are there cheap places to eat in Tokyo? And so that's what kind of was the genesis of uh, Yellow Productions.
0: And when you started out, were you 50-50, meaning 50, part of that 50-50, the first 50, enjoying your travel and the other part, the other 50, that you were recording with a camera and a microphone and all of that. So you're seeing it somewhat skewed, that part of the travel. How did you reconcile the two? And is it 50-50 or is it more like
1: 70-30? Yeah. When I started, it was definitely more, we just traveled like we usually would. And my camera came along with me. And then making good videos that people want to watch after traveling that way is is really challenging. Because it's just whatever we did gets on video and then trying to edit it is a challenge. And so now our trips are probably much more you know, 70% structured on, this is where we go, because this is what we want to shoot. And then we'll have a, you know, arrival day, midday, these are like no shooting days, just to make sure that we enjoy the destinations too.
0: But how do you balance that authenticity of being in the moment with wherever you are, and also knowing that you're looking through a camera lens, or a viewfinder, and seeing it in a different perspective, and that you're shooting for later production, which will appear on YouTube?
1: Yeah. Well, I think there's a couple styles of videos that I do. One is the, you know, it's the informative guide and it's, it's less of my experience here right now. And it's much more when you, the viewer come, what would you want to know? And so in those cases, I'm not showing what I ate or how I ate it or how it tasted. In that case, I'm, you know, just telling you, hey, these are the things you need to know. And so in that case, I almost needed to experience it before I talked about it. So you're um, you getting
0: the experience but, then and then reporting on it afterwards.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's right. No, so that like, actually, sense. when I do like a walking tour, for example, let's say I'm doing a walking tour, of the Santa Monica Pier, the first thing I'll do is I'll walk the Santa Monica Pier without my camera, so that I experience it, I see it. And then I come back a second time to record it on camera so that when I'm recording it, I'm not like, and what's on the left?
0: I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. To watch
1: that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that's a lot of time you devote because we all know, well, any of us that do this stuff know how long it takes to edit. In fact, editing is more laborious than shooting or
1: sure being is. in the sure moment. It,
0: it takes a lot of time and effort. And what I like about your channel, and there's plenty, I don't know what the figure would be. I suspect hundreds, if not thousands of travel channels. What I like about what you do is you make it fun, you make it interesting, and you make it informative, and you keep it light. That doesn't mean, by the way, that you're not dead on in some of your critiques, but you still manage to keep it very watchable and listenable and relevant and still have it on a light basis, if that makes sense.
1: Cool. Yeah, it sure does. No, I I really appreciate that. I I would say... Sort of the people I was inspired by are uh, Rick Steves. Uh, If you've, you know, read any of his Europe travel books or seen his videos and, you know, a little bit of Anthony Bourdain, you know, from just a like, you know, you can learn a lot from Anthony Bourdain and it's just kind of like happy and fun. And I would say, you know, I think I also learn a lot from negative role models too. And my, my negative role model of travel channels on YouTube or these sorts of places are the ones where you have a whole bunch of waterfalls and a whole bunch of drone shots and backflips off things and you're like, I have no idea what that is or where it is, or if I wanted to take a backflip off that waterfall, how do I don't even get there? And, and or so,
0: backflip down the airplane galley, you know, or something. That's right. Yeah.
1: That's right. Uh, and, and so those are the things to be like, hey, I, like, I'd like to know where the restrooms are and where do I park. And boy, you better get there by five o'clock because that's when they close, you know, to, to really help other people plan their trips. There that, that was information I didn't find readily available before I went.
0: How are you able to balance the, and I keep using the word balance, because in reality, that's what you're doing. You're balancing all kinds of different things throughout the process. But how do you balance the critique, which is an honest critique of a particular hotel chain or an airline? And again, keep it light. So you're not being, here's the way I see it. When I watch your videos, you're not, mm. you're being honest, but not snarky.
1: Hmm. For sure. For sure. Well, and I don't, I don't really like to slam anybody or slam anything because I realize that any restaurant or hotel is just run by people. And so, you know, the way I kind of like to take my critiques is with a lens of if the people that owned the restaurant or managed the hotel watched it, I would love them to be able to see it and say... These are the things I could improve on for the next traveler, right? These are the things where, you know, I talk about the air conditioner. I won't be like, gosh, this is the world's worst air conditioner, you know. But I'm like, it really, when I sleep on my pillow, the air is directed right to my face <laughs> all night. You know, can we <laughs> just like direct that a little bit differently, right? Yeah. So that, you know, maybe hotel engineering actually goes and says like, oh, maybe we could just put some things and turn that to the left instead of to the right.
0: In other words, a simple fix for the comfort of the guest.
1: For sure, for sure. I
0: would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the yellow because it's Yellow mm. Productions and it's a yellow yeah. shirt and you wear wherever you travel. Not all the time, not 24-7, although who knows, you probably have yellow pajamas, I would speculate, but I don't know because I'm not married to you. So how did, <laughs> tell us the history of the yellow a little bit for our listeners or the, the short history of the yellow.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, short history of uh, yellow productions and why I call the channel that uh, was if I take the way back machine to when I was 16 years old, I was driving a yellow car. Now, how did I end up driving a yellow car? My car wasn't always yellow. It actually used to be... Silver car. Uh, And when I was 16, I got into an accident with a drunk driver and I needed to get my car fixed. And when I was getting it fixed, I needed to get it repainted. And I looked up at the paint board and said, What color should I paint my car? And I looked and said, Yellow, because it's the most visible. And driving a yellow car around, people would be like, Hey, Yellow, it sort of became my nickname. Uh, Did they ever try and, to hail
0: you for a cab as a result? Yeah, right,
1: exactly. No, people would joke to be like, yeah, can <laughs> I take that? Is it a taxi? So, you know, when I created the YouTube channel, I had no idea that it would be like super successful. I just, that was my car and this and that. So let's call it Yellow Productions. And then it was some years into the channel that my brother in law said, you know, Chris, the name of your channel is yellow and your car is yellow and you should really be wearing yellow. Uh, And he was the first person who made me the yellow T-shirts with the logo on it. And I started wearing yellow T-shirts in some of my videos. And when I started doing that, then when I wouldn't wear the yellow T-shirts, people would be like, Chris, where's the yellow shirt? Where's the yellow shirt? And so now when I go on travel, I pack only yellow (laughs) T-shirts. I'll pack eight or 10 yellow (laughs) T-shirts if I'm going for like a week-long trip.
0: Now, I noticed you mentioned your brother-in-law. And if you want, you're more than welcome to mention his first name to give him a shout out. It's entirely up to you.
1: I'm sure he just likes brother-in-law.
0: Yeah, okay. Keep it anonymous. Yeah. All right, I like That's that. That's right. Okay. Why are some people hesitant to travel? You've had, you've done enough traveling. You've met enough people. You get enough feedback from your viewers. Why are some people just hesitant to travel? Is it being afraid of a new experience? Is it just for safety purposes? Is it just anxiety-ridden? What What, is it?
1: I think it's all of the above. And it's funny you ask that question because I, I just did a live stream on Friday. Yeah, and uh, I want to
0: talk uh, about your live streams, too, in a moment
1: great great about uh, 27 travel myths or misconceptions about travel viewpoints that people have that keep them from traveling and I just a top top three I think one people think travel is like too expensive like only the rich can travel like if I want to go to Paris, 'Cause I watch the prices right and I see them give away week-long Paris trips, and then they say the value is twelve thousand dollars. People think that means it's gonna have to cost twelve thousand dollars to go to Paris, where if they budgeted it correctly, they could probably do it for two or three thousand dollars. I think there are people who are afraid they'll get lost. They won't be able to get around. To your point, they'll get thieved by pickpockets. And I think that people can travel by themselves and travel can be safe, but it does help if people prepare, they know where they're going, they know how to do it so that they don't fall victim to those things.
0: Do you find that people, I used to be this way, I used to want to do everything on, on an impromptu basis so that I didn't plan that much. And mm. I thought that was more being in the moment than trying to plan and stuff. Now I see the wisdom of planning because you referenced it and I see, and I've seen it for many years that yes, it's not necessarily the most interesting thing to do, but boy, it takes a lot of stress out of travel. Yeah. And it takes, a, and it opens you up to new experiences because you'll see as you research, you'll see things you maybe didn't think about. And yes, you could still within your, Let's say you take a week vacation. Within your one-week vacation, you can allot a certain amount of time to do spontaneous stuff. But if you plan it right, you can really have a good time.
1: I could, couldn't agree with you more. And when I when I talk about planning and I like suggest like what does a well-planned trip mean? To me, it means these are the attractions I want to go to roughly. These are the places I want to eat at roughly. I know how to get between big attraction A and big attraction B to know how long that takes. So I know roughly how many of these things I can fit into a day. What I don't mean and so I think that like people can often overplan is they're like I've got my trip planned down to the 5-minute interval on a spreadsheet where <laughs> it's going to take me exactly 15 minutes to get from here to here and then there's traffic or something happens and it like it blows the whole schedule out of the water. Uh, and, and and so I'm a big fan of using like Google Maps and using the the pin or the star feature and using different icons for like the flags are the attractions I want to go to in a city and the stars, the restaurants I want to eat at and the hearts are just other things maybe I want to see. And so then when I'm in a place, if I've got a little extra time, I pull up my map and I'm like, Oh, I remember there was that pizza restaurant I want to eat at. Cause it's, I see it's three blocks from me now. And it's much better than just going like I'm hungry and I don't know where to eat. And there's a burger King. And so I guess I'll, I'll eat at this burger King in Barcelona, which then <laughs> makes Chris feel very sad for himself.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now you advocate for using, you- high-tech solutions for travel but you're also a low-tech advocate in that printing out boarding passes, printing out itinerary, etc. Tell our listeners why you recommend that. I actually do that. I did that before watching your Mm. channel but I always felt more comfortable in case the battery died on my phone or it wasn't sometimes you just can't pick up the image off the
1: screen. What well, good minds think alike on this, Ira. And the reason why I print things out is because that printout on the paper is always going to work. You'll always be able to pull out that paper. And I've been in so many airports where people get up to TSA or they get up to get on the plane and their phone crashed, or the battery died, and they don't have their boarding pass. Or the other one is sometimes you go through customs, and they ask you, can you show me your itinerary? Can you show me your return tickets? And just having it printed on a piece of paper in a pocket where you know what it is, makes it a very low stress situation at the point that you're like, oh, well, it's on my phone, but I got to log into this portal to get to it and whatever can be a really stressful place when that, you know, customs agent is like, you know, staring down at you. So That's why I print it all out. Easy, always works, low stress.
0: Yeah, exactly. What would be, I'm going to put you on the spot, maybe top three tips for being organized when you travel. And one of them is, I think I'll give you one out of the three, which is what you just discussed, which is printing out your boarding pass, your itinerary, et cetera. So give us just two X,
1: or you can still do three. Great. So that's a, that's a good number one, right? Printing out your boarding passes, being organized. I think another tip I have for preparing for when you travel is also packing well. You know, a lot of people, they just take their suitcase and they just like throw stuff in it. And so for me, I really like to use packing cubes, which are these things you can buy. You know, and so instead of like folding my socks, folding stuff and putting it all in there, I've got one packing cube that has my socks, one packing cube that has my shirt, one packing cube that has my underwear. And so then I know to get dressed in the morning and these sorts of things, I just need to take one out of each one of these And I know that over my eight days, I've got enough of these things to take out of there. And then the third one I'll give you, and I I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but about planning your transportation in a particular destination. And I think this is another one that too many people leave to whim or to figure out when they get there. For example, I arrive at the airport, how am I going to get to my hotel? Or how am I going to get to where I'm going? And I see so many people, they just get to the airport, like in Tokyo, and they're like, I... I don't even know where to go next. There's 27 trains you could take. You could take a bus. You could take a taxi. You get into a taxi in Tokyo and you pay $250 to get to your hotel, right? So researching that ahead of time just makes it when you're tired and you're not thinking correctly, then you don't have to think. You can just do what you had planned.
0: And a addendum to that is, and I, because again, I believe is less stress as possible when you're traveling. I also get a map of the airport that I'm going to be landing in. And I, I get that. And I get a sense of what's there. And mm-hmm. just because maybe I'm delayed for a while, at least I know where to go. Maybe it's a restaurant. Maybe it's just a, a meditation area where it's quiet or maybe just travel information. But when I yes. land, I at least know where to go. And if I know that maybe I'm doing a connecting flight, and I think you talked about this, your connecting flight may be in another terminal, which for sure. you have to reach with a train or a subway, and yes. you didn't factor that in. So all of those little things that you work out ahead of time makes a lot less stress all the way around.
1: I agree with you. I agree with you. And that's p- particularly that one about um, what to do when you're connecting airport, right? And I think a lot of people don't realize all those airport maps are things that are online and where the plane lands and where the next one takes off from is usually pretty much the same. I mean, it might not be the same gate, but it's usually the same terminal. And so you can look and see, this is roughly what the walk is going to be like. It's five minutes or it's 45 minutes. Exactly. Because you know?
0: some of those terminals are way, way out there. So, sure, yeah. for sure. Another thing you talked about, and I want to get into the, the live streams that you do because they're a fascinating combination of, oh, you'll say the top 27 tips for whatever, screwing a top on a wine glass or something. Yeah. And, and you're also reading emails that come in and chats that come in. huh from viewers and answer them as well. So you're, you're juggling there and balancing, once again, the live stream with the points you want to make, but also getting in the points that others want to make or giving you an answer that you didn't have.
1: Yeah, I, so live streams are something that I kind of went all in on about three or four years ago. And I think the types of live streams I do are fairly unusual for a travel YouTuber. Travel YouTubers typically do them like out and about, like I'm going to walk the Las Vegas Strip or I'm going to walk down Hollywood Boulevard and I'll, I'll be live when I do that. And I do them sitting at my home studio uh, with my four monitors that I have all the comments up and I have my outline of the things that I'm going to talk about. But I really appreciate taking the audience feedback. And I I say one of the reasons I actually love to do the live streams, if I'm talking about, you know, my favorite cheap eats in Tokyo, learning from other people to be like, Oh, Chris, that's really interesting, you know, that you really like that Japanese barbecue restaurant. But you know, have you tried this one? Right? Like, if not, you should. And then taking questions to be like, Hey, if I did it as a recorded video, you know, I might have left something out and people are like, Chris, well, what about this? Can you clarify that? And so it gives me opportunity to do that. And it builds the community, right? So then people, you know, I see the same people come back week after week and I love it. It touches my heart that they do and they talk amongst themselves, which I think is really neat too.
0: So if someone gives you a suggestion of another restaurant do you immediately write it down or do you do go back later to watch the repeat of the video and, and write it down then? Words, you're not going I don't think you'd be able to retain it because you're doing so much no, doing yeah, it. It, That's
1: that's that's definitely, I mean, if I do remember it, there might be like one or two nuggets that I do happen to remember, but yeah, I'll go back because all the comments that I read out I put up on the screen and so I can go back and see those and then either in Yelp or it's Google Maps that I talked about where I put stars and hearts, then I'll put a little note about that that said, hey, this person recommended it to me and, and this is why.
0: Now, the other thing about you that's unusual is that you're very prolific and that you seem to be I think you're actually shooting editing and putting online videos while you're sleeping as well (laughs) because it just seems to be an endless supply of videos on all kinds of subjects not just a specific area of the world but tips on this and tips on that and things to avoid and etc and I'm just wondering how you, and I know you have a day job, but how did you work it out so that you could do all of that on a daily, mm. on an ongoing basis, not daily, but on an ongoing basis? Mm-hmm. So there's content mm-hmm. constantly flowing from Yellow Productions. Yeah, and there, think, there you go. is he ever gonna run out? How does he, does he ever sleep? Is he editing in his sleep or what, what's going on here?
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, when I first started the YouTube channel, I would upload about one video a month. Uh, and cause that's how long it would take me to edit those family vlogs. Cause I didn't plan them. I just shot video and then it would take a long time to watch this, take this clip, put it together. And it was probably, I probably did that for four years on YouTube before I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go in and do a video once a week. Uh, I sort of had a, a YouTube coach who I who challenged me to say, like, Chris, if you really want to make this a thing, you know, do a video a week, be consistent about it. And so then I started doing a video a week and doing a video a week made me develop a lot more systems about making the videos. So I shoot them in a certain way. I edit them in a certain way. The titles look the same so that I have much less work to do. And then adding the live stream, you know, I had to really systemize the live stream so that I mean, the titles look the same and, all, and there was a ton of work to get that done but then I keep all my camera gear to do the live stream and everything. It's just set up. It's ready to go. So the computer, it's a separate computer that I only use to do the live streams. It's a separate camera that I only use to do the live streams. And that way I'm not having to plug and replug things. That's the only way I can do that many things in a week is just by keeping it very simple to do it.
0: And when you do it, obviously, I know there's always these little hurdles that we all face. One was your, one I remember seeing that the wording on youtube was backwards instead of
1: forwards or oh, facebook for sure. facebook
0: live i think it was one of the two uh-huh. either youtube or facebook live and you had yeah. to work you had to work that out somehow
1: yeah and and definitely over the years i've really like worked out all the kinks on live streaming and this was from android devices like at some point the youtube app stopped flipping the video from the selfie camera the selfie camera like naturally gives it the wrong way on some android devices and so and, uh, and that's why I started streaming on an Android device and an iPad to Facebook and YouTube. And now I kind of like went in, went all in on the, you know, professional live streaming solutions, the kind of things that, you know, churches use or ballparks use to do it and allows me to be like that thing that I can't fix on the app. I I can fix it in this. It might take me a few hours to get in there and turn all the knobs, but I can make it work.
0: Well, because you're not in initially show business, you didn't start out that way, yeah. but do you get the butterflies in your stomach right before a live stream because you have lights, camera, action?
1: Yeah. There's l- got to be a little, little I mean, nervousness. I, yeah. T- t- so I would say I certainly get a little, uh, maybe anxious is the right word before every live stream. You know, for I've got this five minute kind of countdown that goes and I'm sort of in the chat responding to questions. But then I take like, A minute or two, where I just stop typing them because I at least want to get my initial words right to be like, hey, when I'm going to start this live stream and my countdown goes and my trumpets blare, because that's my intro music, you know, uh, then I'm like, all right, how do I start? I want to make it good because I know it's the first thing people are going to see when they come back and watch the archive. And I don't want them to get to it and the first thing they see is.
0: There's always a risk of getting egg on your face when you're doing a live stream, but you obviously get more relaxed as the hour goes by.
1: For sure. Yeah, for sure.
0: Go go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'll pick it up from there. Yeah.
1: Okay, great. Yeah. And I would say, you know, once I get about five or 10 minutes into it, then it's just, it's sort of a flow and I'm in it and I'm in the moment um, and I'm kind of going on my outline and I'm reading the things. And, And, you know, honestly, sometimes the hardest thing to do with the live stream is to end it because there's, you know, there were 10 people watching at the beginning and there's 700 at the end of the hour, right? And you're like, if I kept going for another hour, would it be 1,400, you know? Um, but <laughs> I've, I've tried to make it much like a show in the sense that, like, good shows end, you know? And so the live stream ends. It's an hour. And, and good it.
0: shows, you want to have them wanting more when you leave.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: That's yes. that's the and- secret to any show, and, and including yours. So clearly, even though you'd love to get that extra several <laughs> hundred <laughs> in there. For sure. When you finish a live stream, and I know I'm sure there's still comments coming in, do you take a break though? And you say, okay, I got to, I got to relax for a few minutes here.
1: At the end of a live stream. Yes. Yeah, I, I would take. So one of the things that sometimes people talk about is like a, like a tip for doing things on YouTube is like batch producing content, you know, like record three videos in the same day or make your live stream. And I'm, I'm already like dressed up in my yellow shirt and I got the lights and I got the camera and you'd be like, this is the perfect time to just shoot the next recorded video. But I, I don't, I just, yeah, to your point, I like yeah. when I do a live stream in a day, that's that's it. That's the day. That's the juice, you know. And then the the, the lemon squeezed or the orange. What's a little sweeter? Yeah. You know? Well,
0: yeah. lemon because it's yellow.
1: Oh, very good. Very good. Thank yeah. you.
0: Now you may have already done these videos, but what about specialty videos for seniors, disabled, solo travelers, that type mm. of approach?
1: Yeah. I've you know I do get requests from people about Chris. Can you tell me? You know, is this ADA compliant? Uh, you know, I would get requests on my restaurant reviews, but Chris, can you tell me where the vegan restaurants are? I've done some live streams about like tips for solo travel. I would say the area that I'm probably really getting into most recently, because it's something that I'm experiencing is, you know, tips for parents that are traveling. Because I have a, you know, 21 month old daughter. And I think there's a lot of people that when they have kids feel like they can't go. And so I'm hoping with my content to break down that wall. Well, that's another fear of traveling right there. That's right. That's right. Kids,
0: that they don't know how to ha- necessarily handle that. I can't let the show end without asking you about Topher. So explain who Topher
1: That is. That's great. So I'm Chris and I travel with a small stuffed panda. His name is Topher. So you take Chris and Topher, together it makes... Christopher. So we're sort of, you know, brothers of each other. He's my embodiment as a panda. But his voice is actually the voice of a OC girl or my wife. She's often the one running the camera. She prefers to be behind the camera, but that's her way of kind of getting in the video is voicing Topher. And so what we try to do that's a little bit unique, like when we rate hotels, instead of rating them on a scale of one to five stars, we rate them on a scale of one to five Topher's and these little (laughs) rotating pandas come up on the screen. Again, a way to keep it kind of like fun and lighthearted, right?
0: Of course, a uh, situation happened with tofer, but you have others now involved. It was,
1: yes, it was. It was very sad. We were in London, and we had traveled with this same Topher stuffed animal that we bought at the San Diego Zoo in like 2005. He had traveled over a million miles, and somebody swiped my camera bag while we were at a restaurant in London, which had Topher in it. And I was very sad. I was very sad. But uh, luckily, this is actually I shouldn't say luckily, but you know the the amazing thing about doing YouTube and having this community of people who watch is when I put that out there and said, you know, my panda was stolen. Somebody said, Chris, can you let me know your address? I saw a panda. I'd like to send it to you. And then other people made the same offer. And so then I actually made a video to say, if you want to send me a panda for new Topher, you know, here's how you could send it. And I I got about 20 of them that were amazing that like people like knitted yellow jackets for them. And it was, it was super touching.
0: If I were to force you to give the best tip you ever heard, about travel what would that be if there is if there is one i don't know if there's just one but what would you say the best travel tip you could give our listeners
1: yeah i think actually what i what i consider to be the best travel tip that i could share is about how to beat jet lag you know people are always like well i just melatonin or sleep more or sleeping pills or what do you do and, and i have found after traveling over a million miles and staying in hotels a thousand nights the best way to beat jet lag is when you get to your destination If you get there like in the daytime is really to spend as much time outside as you can and walk as much as you can because beating jet lag is less about trying to get enough sleep before you leave or trying to get enough sleep on the plane, but it's really about resetting your body's circadian rhythms. And so if when you get to that destination, let's say you get there at, you know, 10 or noon. The more time you spend outside in the fresh air in the daytime, the more your body thinks now is daytime so that it's then ready to go to sleep. And then you're going to have to go to sleep early that night, right? You go to sleep at, you know, six or seven, um, but then you're ready to get up at five the next morning, which is much better than than 2 a.m. or noon or something like that. So
0: if you don't arrive in the morning or afternoon, but you arrive in the evening, should you just go to bed?
1: Yeah, you should just go to bed. So that's, those are the two things I either do. So if you arrive in the evening, like you arrive in your hotel and you check in, say at six or seven or something like that, then just, just go right to sleep. The flights that I never book because they, oh, I, I try never to, I mean, they'd never, never say never, right? But like if I'm flying to Japan, I do not want the flights to get me in at midnight because you get in at midnight, you get to your hotel at three, you only get to sleep for three hours or something. Then you have to wake up and like you're all out of whack. And so. That's why I prefer those ones. I can get there in the day and still walk around for a few hours in the daylight to get my body on that new daytime schedule.
0: Well, that's a great way to end it. My guest has been Chris Rainey, host of the YouTube channel Yellow Productions, which features fun, informative, and entertaining travel guides to practically anywhere in the world and also tips, not just travel guides. And to check out any of Chris's videos, go to YouTube and search for Yellow Productions. And in addition to YouTube, you can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris Rainey, Facebook at Yellow Productions Travel, and Instagram at Yellow Productions. Hey, Chris, thanks for being on the show.
1: Hey, it's been a pleasure, Ira. Good chatting with you.
0: And join us every Thursday for a new schmear on Ira's Everything Bagel.